I mean, of course, everybody hears about Agile and Sprints yeah. and, you know, Scrum and all these words. But what it really means with your mindset and your leadership behavior, that's a whole different story, mm -hmm. right? So you need to explain this. And of course, some people are very fast. Maybe they already were doing this before and they are very used to it. But some people, they need more time and more coaching. Welcome to Pyramid to Circles. Pyramid to Circles. This podcast is for the leaders and for the change makers who have the goal of evolving their company towards more collective intelligence, more empowerment, more self-organization, but asking themselves how to make this happen, where to start, and how to get inspiration from others. Roche is a leading global healthcare company. It's 120 years old. It's family-owned, and it has about 94,000 employees in more than 100 countries. It's the world's largest biotech company, offering medicines for oncology, immunology, infectious diseases, ophthalmology, and diseases of the central nervous system. Over the last few years, Roche has been undertaking a large cultural transformation to become a more agile and digital company. And I think that Bill Anderson, the CEO of Roche, has very strong convictions about human values as he wants the company to be a place for people to thrive. So today, I have the pleasure to receive a person who has a key role in, the, in this cultural transformation, who is a change agent and the leader is Alain Bindels. Alain, hello, welcome. How are you today? Hi, Miko. I'm doing very well. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for being on the show. It's, uh, we record this at five o'clock on a Tuesday. I guess you had a long day. I understand that you're a Dutch citizen living in France, working in Switzerland. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So how is that? Is, so, so is that, how is that, how is that working? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So I'm, I'm actually originally Dutch and also have French. And I'm living in France, right? Because I'm, I'm, of course, still have my French roots, let's say. Okay. And I'm working in Switzerland, in Basel, actually. You had to cross the border every day, and I hope it's, it has been okay with the, in, term, in terms of COVID, too. So you've been working for more than 12 years at Rush in different roles. Today, you are the head of innovation facilitation and digitalization. You're responsible for building innovation and entrepreneurship capabilities within the company, which are some key elements of an agile culture. Right. And, yes. and you're an expert in your role. You have extensive experience in innovation management. You have set up Innovation Lab. You have managed open innovation. You're also an agile coach. And at Roche, you're leading an innovation network to support the businesses to innovate. And you also have set up training programs to develop innovation and agility capabilities. So we understand you're totally into your, this is your turf. You're an expert. Yes. But I, I'm curious what drives you. How did you end up doing this? No, I mean, I've always been interested in innovation, innovation management and entrepreneurship. And somehow when I started working at Roche, I was doing this part-time in the beginning. So I was doing like part of my job, like around 20%, like, you know, managing innovation initiatives, managing this innovation network. And then I could turn this part-time role or job into a full-time role, right? Like really mm -hmm. focusing on innovation management, agility. And, and transformation in the company. And this was for me very excited to somehow create my own job, right? Like something that I was really passionate about and, and really focus on, on really like helping people, colleagues to become more innovative, helping them to move forward with their innovation projects and really supporting, I guess, also this culture and mindset shift in the organization. So that, that was really also my, my passion and my, my belief that we need to work differently. What has Raj been doing in terms of this transformation? Could just could you explain that so we understand the context in which you operate? 
Yeah, of course, like Ross is a very old established company, right? So more than 120 years old. And I think, of course, today, in today's environment, right? I mean, becoming a more digital healthcare company, the management team, so the board of directors, they realized we need to shift. We need to shift the way we're working if we really want to compete, you know, in a digital healthcare. This means that we need to become more agile, more customer-centric, focused on new type of products and services. And this was around five, six years ago that the board of directors said, okay, we're going to do a whole agile transformation of the working model, the, the way we're leading the organization, etc. And this has been going on now five, six years. So they started really with the top management in really, you know, changing their leadership style. So it was really like bottom-up transformation for the leaders. And then after a few years now, we're doing really the, the bottom-up the transformation where we really are building capabilities and new skills within the organization. So across Ross Pharma, Ross Diagnostics, we have rolled out agile way of working, agile organizational setup, organizational structures. So now we are really in a more, I would say, embedding and operationalizing this whole agile transformation, right? So it's really with the belief and also the, the burning platform that we become, we want to become a more digital healthcare company, right? So digital healthcare company of the future. So we as a company, of course, we're very focused on the patient needs, right? So doing, doing now what patients need next. So this means like we want to become even more and more customer centric, right? Like really focusing on the needs of the healthcare system, of the patient, healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, diagnostic labs. So really understanding, I think, the customer needs and also working directly with the customer is a key, is a key focal point for us. On the other hand, what we're also trying to do is to, to implement new services, right? Digital services, both for hospitals, for patients, and you know, the healthcare system that can really streamline and optimize the whole healthcare system, right? So we're trying to connect the different pieces with each other. Mm -hmm. And because we have both pharma and diagnostics within the company, we, we look at the beginning, right? When a patient is being diagnosed until the patient is being treated and even, you know, post-treatment, like how can we make the whole patient journey or the whole customer journey in this sense, like more user-friendly, making mm -hmm. it more, more digital, making it a better experience, right? So it's really a lot about patient experience along that whole journey from diagnosis to treatment to post-treatment. There are some skills and there are some more elements of culture and, and mindset. Just how those two play together and which one is of those two legs is the more important at Roche or maybe both are? No, we really started really with the mindset, right? So we yeah. really started with, you know, the culture and the mindset shift. And this means we started really with the leaders first, right? So we had really the, the support from the board of directors. And we went then to the senior management, you know, CEO minus one, minus two, minus three, to really coach and support the leaders in this transition, right? This means like, okay, what type of leader are you? And we did actually like a whole assessment, like a leadership circle profile. This was really done to understand, okay, what are the leadership styles or key elements of that leader and how he or she can become more a creative or agile leader, right? So we, we didn't call it agile, but we said like creative leadership. So this meant to, to really coach those leaders, you know, for several months that they also get used to this, you know, get, get support, get more, I would say more tools or the way they can actually change their leadership. And once that has been done, then of course we went more to, okay, how can we then shift the organization, right? So building the organizational structures, a new setup, new roles, right? So having also more agile type of roles, like agile coaches. We, we really set up like a similar model, like they have a Spotify with chapters and tribes. 
and squats, right? So different way of working. And of course, and when you implement a new organizational structure, you also need to upskill all the, the employees in the workforce, right? So this meant that we had to do huge amount of upskilling exercises with Scrum, design thinking, start, lean startup canvas model to really give them the agile sk uh, skills, right? Like what is the design sprint? How do you do a retrospective? Like all of these more agile principles and agile way of working were then rolled out throughout the organization. But it has, of course, been a five, six-year journey. And I would say now, let's say the whole organization, let's say, has shifted to this new operating model. And of course, now I think we're starting to see the fruits of this new way of working. So, so we're working in a network organization, right? So you're not anymore in silos or, you know, okay, I'm in this team and I only deliver to my team, but really being more networked, being more connected between affiliates, being more customer-centric. So there was a lot of upskilling up also at the, the local affiliates that are in direct contact with customers like okay how do you interact with customers how do you understand their needs how do you co-design solutions with them right so this is really critical this customer-centric development let's say so that is really like i would say now this whole innovation portfolio innovation processes is coming more and more to a mature system what are today your your biggest pain points You know, what's, what's stopping you? What doesn't work? Or when you, you know, you, you have this strong, very strong mission and then I'm sure there are limits to it and there are, there is resistances or friction with the, I can only imagine, I don't know. So what are those frictions or pain points that you meet on this innovation project or, or I mean, more larger on, on, on the transformation in general? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, some of the pain points is, for example, also like sometimes employees or people want to really develop everything internally, right? So they say, oh, we can do this internally at Roche. We, you know, we connect IT, we connect this and this expert, and we develop it completely internally. And this is sometimes not always the best approach because there's existing solutions, like really tech companies that are super focused on a specific solution. They yeah. have already clients, right? They've already done, you know, the development, the testing. So sometimes it's much easier to actually partner externally than rather than developing everything internally, because you also need to maintain the solution, right? You need to maintain, you need to make upgrades. Yeah. And often people don't see all of that. They just see, okay, we, we can do it internally. Let's try instead of saying, okay, hey, why don't we partner? So that's, that's one thing, the more the mindset of external partnership. Then another thing, of course, in innovation is also the investment side, right? So, I mean, often we're speaking about quite small budgets, right? I mean, maybe like, you know, 10 to 20,000, can go, of course, up 50,000 if it's a bigger project. But sometimes to find the right sponsors, the right you know, business unit that says, okay, we're going to you know, sponsor it, we're going to take care of it, is sometimes still difficult. And this is, of course, really frustrating because, I mean, we're a huge company. We have, of course, budgets and we spend on different things. But I think we need to focus more on investing in innovation projects. So of course, the risk, the return on investment is not always guaranteed. Right. I mean, maybe in the beginning you think like, well, when do we see, let's say, the outcome of this innovation? When will we see a return? But it's more also this long-term thinking, right? You need to invest today in the products and the services of the future, right? This will be your future business model. And I think that's, yeah, I think we still have a bit of a tendency. There's so many different, you know, stakeholders. Okay, who's taking the decision? Who can invest? And I think with this new innovation portfolio, we will remove maybe some of these investment barriers. So it will be more visible, right, at the global level, like which are the innovation projects and where can we prioritize and really invest. 
Of course, not every project can be invested in, but at least it's becoming more transparent. These are the innovation projects, and this is where we can invest or you know where we want to uh, mm-hmm. focus on. Yeah. Okay. That that's very that's that's a very very powerful program. I'm just curious on the stakeholders, as you are all of a sudden of, of a few years, Rush is becoming super active. I imagine and contacting you know working with the healthcare professionals or with your industry with the, I guess with the, with the regulators I don't know how it works really with the, your stakeholders but I imagine you're much more proactive as I understand from from what you explained how do they react to to this proactivity are they are they responding or or do you are they slowing you down it's a very general no. question because no. there are different types of stakeholders but maybe just maybe you yeah. you answer to that no no it's a good question I think it's very important right I mean of course many of these stakeholders they are waiting for you know improvements in the healthcare system right i mean if you speak about patients they're the ones that actually want to move much faster right i mean sometimes they don't even have access to medicine or to treatment or diagnosis so the patients of course they're they're really happy that they can collaborate with with an organization but then of course you have the the healthcare authorities the regulatory bodies hospitals right and of course they also have interest, right, in changing the healthcare system. And depending on the country, there's maybe more interest or there's more availability of the people. But that's also now a focus, I would say, in the affiliates. So they really have now created new roles to shape, they call it healthcare ecosystems at a local level. So this means like, okay, as a person in the field, I really try to understand, okay, who are the stakeholders in this country? Like, okay, the health authorities is one. There's maybe a digital department in you know, in the, one of the, the health authorities. There's maybe also in the hospitals, local hospitals, they have certain needs. Maybe some hospitals are more advanced, so they can be maybe a partner in a pilot. Then who are the partners locally? Patient organizations, maybe technology partners that already have existing solutions running in, in certain countries. So you need to somehow understand that ecosystem and build those relationships. And of course, once you have those relationships and that ecosystem around you, then you can really start doing interesting things like pilots, you know, trying out new innovations, but also understanding better the needs of these different stakeholders. So I think the, it was very smart to create these new roles in the countries where they're really focusing on that ecosystem building. And they have also another role that is focusing on really the patient partnership roles to really understand what is the patient experience? What is the customer experience? How can we improve? So there's much more focus, I would say, on this external collaboration, right, than, than before. You say you created this patient experience role. Yes. Can you just say a bit more? That's very interesting. Yeah. So this is a role. It's really yeah. in the affiliates. So it's, it's somehow, I would say, it's a link between, I mean, of course, you have your marketing department, the medical department, and yeah. global, that really tries to understand what is the patient experience mm-hmm. from the beginning of the onset of the disease to the diagnosis to the treatment like what are their challenges what are they going through to really understand what are the critical points that we need to address and i think this is really critical because in the past of course pharma industry was focusing a lot on doctors and on mm-hmm. the prescribers right like the, the doctors were the people that are prescribing the drugs but now i would say there's a much more focus on the experience of the patient Mm-hmm. Of course, there's still a focus also on the doctor, but I would say it's much more articulated and, and present, right, in the strategy, understand the patient experience. How can we improve, you know, their experience during the treatment, during the clinical trial, whatever, let's say, experience they're having 
where we're interacting with them. And I think this is really important, right? So this also requires new skills, new way of working with the customers. And I think it's, it's really great to see this now happening. So this really started this mm-hmm. year. So in 2021, we have launched these new roles, like really the patient experience role mm-hmm. and this healthcare ecosystem builder role. Mm-hmm. And and the voice or the voice of the customer can be heard. Are, are those roles like linked in the kind of circle or or they, they report to marketing? How do they, because you want to add those voices from different countries and 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 get a, you know, or maybe not, maybe you won't want to stay local, but I, I imagine you want to, kind of make meaning of the different voices so you have a, a more a, a, the big picture of what the, the customer are saying. Correct. So for this, we really, like you were saying, so we are connecting also the different affiliates, mm-hmm. right? So this means these, these roles are in a network, right? So these, all these needs are being, you know, understood. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what are the needs of, of, the, of that local ecosystem, of the patient? And then it's being feedback into the therapeutic area, right? So let's say in lung cancer or in in a disease area that is that is there okay what are the needs for lung cancer what are the the issues that we're facing Mm -hmm. and of course there will be issues that will be faced in different countries so then it's a question can we find a solution maybe one country has already found a solution how can we maybe scale this up or learn from that country so it's really not duplicating the work or redoing it and Mm -hmm. reinventing the wheel but really using those yeah, I would say those learnings and feeding them back into the network. So I think that's also this new way of working, right? So being more networked. Network, less silo. More, uh, yeah, and, and there, there will be cross chapters, right? So they are part of a chapter, let's say, patient experience with multiple countries. So they can l- learn from different countries what is happening. So it, it means the managers in the countries, they have to spend a bit of their time not only focusing on the business of their country, which is their job, but also some energy into this this network yep. in which they are maybe sharing information. So to give into the circle of this network and, and also to re, in order to receive. And that shift, you know, from I spend 100% of my time on my objectives to I spend maybe, I don't know, you tell me 80, 90%, but the rest of my energy, I put it on the collective and on the network. So I will create more value for the overall that how is that working? Is it, is it something yeah. that people follow, or because it could be a bit, you know, contradictory to the business goals on the, on their? I mean, I guess they're driven by objectives. So, of course, but because we have you know changed the organizational model, right? So they, mm-hmm. they are not anymore like okay, in let's say in their country, in their you know their local okay. team, and that's it. They are like in a in a chapter. So the chapter would be, okay, patient experience or ecosystem building or medical chapter. And these chapters are running across, you know, different countries. So we are forcing somehow these interactions, right? Like because they have, they're part of a bigger chapter, but they also have similar goals, right? Similar objectives. Of course, you have the country specific goals, right? But you also have the, the, the group goals or the, the chapter goals so for patient experience. The goal is to come, I'm just making it up, with 10 new solutions for, for patient experience in oncology, right? So there's a goal at a group level as well. So the goal structure and also the organizational structure has been shaped in such a way that it's working more as a networked organization and working more like an agile organization with these circles, with chapters that are connected, right? So it's not anymore, okay, I'm just responsible for my country and my personal goal in that country, but really being part of this somehow networked structure, right? It's also a different structure. Yeah. Yeah. 
a structure that like a network structure that is across silo or a, let's call it silo but they're not silo anymore in this case but for the sake of it across silos yes if you're comfortable we use this way yeah okay so for instance if i'm in marketing in a country I would, of course, have goals for you know sales and marketing in my country, but I would also be part of the marketing chapter, which has which is cross countries and then which has its own goals. Really and I would goals. and I would spend some of and it's it's my job to 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 do both to spend energy on both sides. Correct. So, yeah. And of, and of course, for 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 the different colleagues in those chapters, also interesting because they the work they're doing can be much more valued even you know between different countries at a global level, right? So there's more visibility there's more opportunity for development there's more opportunity to get involved in maybe cross country initiatives right or topics so i think there's a lot of development opportunity that lies within there right so you also have maybe more opportunity to work on a you know a regional project you know for the whole of europe or south america or right so i think it's also creating a bit more incentive maybe for mm -hmm. the employees to be to be part of that yeah of course yes but how do i guess at the beginning that's 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 challenging simply put it that's challenging for manager to to have this new new way of working mm -hmm. how do you accompany them i guess is it, i guess i understand it's with internal resources maybe external resources how does it because that's really changing the way of working and at, at scale really so yes. how this shift is made when when there's this turning point when we, you know, there's moment, there's an event, there is a before and an after, I guess, at some point. How does you, we take care of that? How do you take care of the... Yeah. Uh, no, I think, positions. of course, the leadership, so like the managers and the leaders, they're losing control a little bit, right? Yeah. They have less power and control. Mm -hmm. And it's also like moving away from this old way of leading the organization, right? More controlling and, you know, exactly what your employee is working on. And now, of course the employee is maybe part of many different teams, different squads. So you don't actually know exactly, okay, I, it's, it's all in mind control of the manager or the leader, right? So it's letting go of this control. And of course, like all these leaders and managers, they have gone to this, you know, creative leadership, right? This leadership profile to really understand, okay, what are their leadership skills? And they also have coaches, right? That, that they can reach out to, that can, you know, coach them on their journey. But of course, there are also maybe leaders in the organization that that do not feel comfortable in that way of leading. So it's also a decision like, does that leader then still want to stay in this new working model, right? So we are also trying to, to keep those leaders and managers that really are believing in that model. And of course, some of the leaders that maybe, you know, are still used to, I want to control my people, I want to really control the organization, old way of leading, they might leave, of course. So it's also like a bit of a fluctuation. And you have also less leadership positions. So instead of, you know, having like, I don't know, how many line managers and leaders, we have also flattened the organization, right? So it's more, yeah, non-hierarchical or almost non-hierarchical, right? So a lot of people are reported to the same person and it's more like a pool approach, right? So people are more in a pool. So you have like people with similar skills, similar roles, they're in a pool. And depending on if there's a need or high demand of work, a different person can can be assigned to that work. A bit like in a project mode. Exactly. It's more like a pool. Like, okay, we need a project manager. We need somebody with medical skill or mm -hmm. scientific skill. We can pull them in as we go, right? Mm -hmm. Where in the past, we were building like huge teams and then, okay, there was not enough work. We have to restructure and lay off people, right? But now it's more flexible resourcing. 
So it has also advantages from the resourcing point of view to have more pool approach and even between countries. So there might be one country that is supporting a neighboring country because they don't have that role in that country because they're mm -hmm. too small. Yeah. So they might be even helping and supporting other countries yeah. which do not get those resources. That's, that's great. So it raises many questions. Maybe a, a simple one, and I think that everybody has, is how do you acknowledge people now in the, in the old system? It was easy. The boss you know, is managing you, so the, the boss can acknowledge what you, your performance and, and give your, you know, acknowledgement in terms of financially, or so you will get your salary or bonus based on that. In this way of working, as people, as I understand, it can be in different places, different squads or different teams. They can be in different places, in different roles. How you, have you managed to... How do you manage this acknowledgement and, and also this translation into you know, finan financial retribution to people? Yeah, this has been a big discussion, actually. I was part of a project on agile performance management. Mm -hmm. And we went also to the board you know, with a proposal. So I'm actually working in, in HR, right, in human resource. So we went okay. with a proposal to the board yeah. about, okay, do we need to change something in our system or is it flexible enough or not? Because we saw a lot of teams that are moving to shifting to this new operating model that they also want to do different way of performance management. So this means less individual performance management, but more at a group level, at a team level, right? Saying, okay, everybody, we as a group, we need to achieve this. So then as a group, if we achieve the goal, everybody gets like that, that incentive. So a lot of people are looking into more, I would say, peer-to-peer So more at the group level, let's say, giving, let's say, the, the incentive. Or also more people go to the peer-to-peer -peer coaching or peer-to-peer -peer feedback. So less the line manager is giving feedback because the line manager doesn't know in all of the projects they're part of and they're not part of those projects, right? So how yeah. can they judge? Exactly. So this means it's more focusing on peer-to-peer -peer feedback and also removing the... Now we guess maybe complicated. Splitting, let's say, the bonus versus the feedback culture. So it's not only about, okay, I, I get this feedback at the end of the year and then my bonus is being determined. No, we want to actually say, you, you need to receive feedback on an ongoing basis and it doesn't need to be reflected in your bonus because a lot of people are afraid of getting feedback because they think it will affect their bonus, right? So we want to somehow remove, or some of the organizations are trying to do this, split performance feedback or like feedback on their work versus the bonus that they get at the end of the year. So there's a lot of experiments happening actually across the organization in different parts of the world, in different areas. But the board at the moment said, okay, our system is flexible enough. So if a leader and a line manager and a team says, I want to you know, give everybody the same, I, I want not individual contribution anymore, but more team contribution, the system is flexible enough. But it's not a one one approach for the whole company, I would say. So at the moment, it's more left to the line managers and team leaders and department heads to decide how they want to deal with it. But there's enough flexibility still within the system to do that. But of course, if we're looking maybe one, two years beyond, we might come with a different system, right? But at the moment, we said, okay, let's keep the system as it is. There's enough flexibility. And the leaders and the line managers, they're empowered to say, I want to take a decision that we do, the, for example, everybody gets the same, right? There's no more individual, uh, how to say, individual um, performance. What has been the, the most powerful, the biggest enabler, the biggest ingredient in your eye 
that uh, the, the one thing that we cannot remove, otherwise the whole thing falls, you know, collapses, of, the, of this cultural transformation. I think the, the nice thing is, of course, they have a, yeah. Yeah, they have a very long-term vision, right? So they're, mm-hmm. they're, because it's still a family-owned company, so it's not being driven by the shareholders. They decide what the company do, mm-hmm. does and, you know, the strategy. So the, it's still a family business, right? It's really weird to say because it's a big company, but the family is still deciding. Mm-hmm. And they have a really, like, long-term vision, like, okay, we are in there to, to change healthcare or to really support sustainability or bring different way of, of healthcare systems. So they have really a long-term vision, which means we can much longer, I would say, um, you know, focus on, you know, personalized healthcare. This is our long-term vision. Okay, how do, how do we get there? So it's not, let's say, the, the shareholders that decide, okay, next year is not going to be any more personalized healthcare. Mm-hmm. Next year is fully only digital or tele, you know, telemedicine or whatever. So it means there's, I would say, this culture of, long term and there's also a culture of you know people can come with ideas can come with different approaches and and you know you can speak with different colleagues or, you know a different department is very like easy going you know you mm-hmm. can reach out to colleagues and people will respond and so i think there's this this culture of yeah everybody can shift or contribute or mm-hmm. change and that makes it unique, right? I mean, these values, I think these company values. And it, even if it's a large company, it still has this, you know, little bit of spirit, you know, like, okay, things can move. You can come with a great idea, develop it, et cetera, right? So mm-hmm. people in the audience, many of them are change makers and leaders and who are maybe in the, within the transformation and they are wondering about the next step and they, they want an insight. And they are curious of insight. And thank you because you gave a lot today. I'm just, I just would like to ask, what would be your advice to these people who are asking themselves where to start, where to start, or what should be my next step? Maybe you know, asking themselves because because none of this is written. There is no, there is no roadmap. Really working with your internal employees, you know, be it mm-hmm. building the skills, right, making them an agile coach or a scrum master or a design thinking coach, instead of relying heavily on these external. Scrum masters, agile coaches mm-hmm. that are exist, very expensive. Mm-hmm. So I would really say, like from the start, really work with these ambassadors, build these ambassador networks mm-hmm. in the organization. So that's one thing, and work, of course, very closely if you're in HR in such a role with the leadership teams. Right? Like, what are their their pain points? Are they ready? Maybe they don't even realize, but they're not ready themselves. Right? So they say, yeah, we want to become more digital or agile or whatever. But maybe these leaders are not ready yet and they have to let go of certain things. So you need to really prepare those leaders. Like It means a shift for you as well. What are you going to do different? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And this is also the wake-up call, right? Supporting those leaders that are maybe struggling early on. Mm-hmm. Right? So really looking for the signs, supporting them, understanding you know, what is happening. But also at the same time building this ambassador networks i think that is super important so yeah, really yeah. bottom up bottom up yeah. uh, you know spreading the skills and, and getting those people in place because that's where the real changes happen yeah right like when people are you know starting to apply it how do you see that they are ready i mean you really you know have to go through let's say what is changing for you as a leader right so they need to understand and accept if you are going to work in as your model this is what is changing for me as leaders. I have to mm-hmm. let go of control. I have to let go of all the metrics and KPIs I'm collecting. And every month, the, the whole team needs to send it to me. I need to um, 
coach more teams and step back of decision making. So I'm not always the one taking the decision. People don't come to me always for permission. Can I do this? Can I do that? But this is that was, I think, the most complicated thing, right? Like to really explain to leaders, this is the future le leadership style that we want. And do you understand it? We have questions. And of course, we give them the time, right? Like we have coaching, we have different sessions with them, onboarding. But it needs that time because you cannot just say, okay, now tomorrow we're going to roll out different organization and scrum and design thinking. And then the leaders, they still behave in the, in the, in the old way, right? Taking all the decisions. People have to ask for permission, being very controlling. Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't work, right? So you need mm -hmm. to really, yeah, I would say coach and train those leaders. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, everybody hears about Agile and Sprint yeah. and, you know, Scrum and all these words. But what it really means with your mindset and your leadership behavior, that's a whole different story, mm -hmm. right? So you need to explain this. Mm -hmm. And you need to prepare the leadership team and yeah. alignment with this yeah. for this, so that they really understand it. And of course, some people are very fast. Maybe they already were doing this before and they are very used to it. But some people, they need more time and more coaching. Okay, so thank you so much. This is really great. I really, really appreciate all this. I ask, I'd like to ask to our guests at the end to give them the opportunity to have a free moment with the audience. If you really feel very strong about something or you're passionate about it, don't let it go and don't let it go because other people tell you not to do it or they don't believe in you. But really follow, follow that passion and, and purpose because that will make you happy, right? Because if you're doing things because i don't know your boss tells you because your team says you need to do this but you don't really believe in it then it doesn't work you will become unhappy in your job in your environment and it doesn't help you and it doesn't help your 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 company your environment so i think yeah based upon my personal experience as well where i was really stuck in a job that i didn't like and then you know found my passion and really went for it and went through the difficult time but also really went then to the positive time I can really say, yeah, follow the passion and your purpose and really don't give up, right? So if you have people that are negative or don't believe in your, in your, in your idea, in your, your passion or purpose, don't listen to them. Listen to your, to your heart, listen to your, your intuition and, and go for it. And if it's not the right place, then maybe it's time to actually leave, to actually go somewhere else and, and find a new journey for yourself. So yeah, follow your passion and your purpose. That would be my, my advice. So with that, I wish everybody a great day. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm back with you, Hannah. So I really enjoyed meeting you today. And so I acknowledge, would like to acknowledge the innovator and the entrepreneur and the change make that you are. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think it was very inspirational. I wish you really the best for, for the future. I hope we stay in touch. No, I really enjoyed it, Miko. And yeah, thank you also for, for having such a great conversation. I really hope that people, yeah, they can learn from it and are inspired. So thank you, everyone. Stay tuned for our next episode and have a great day. Bye.